Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good Monday morning. Tensions on the rise across the Middle East. It's November 13th. This is today. Breaking overnight, new airstrikes. The U.S. stepping up attacks on targets inside Syria. Israel expanding its war on Hamas, a humanitarian crisis now playing out at the largest hospital in Gaza. We're live with the very latest, including the new push to free more hostages. As we learn, a three-year-old American is among them. Countdown. Washington once again scrambling to avoid a government shutdown. With just days to go, the new plan from House Republicans to keep funds flowing. Will it fly? Shake-up. Senator Tim Scott announces the end of his 2024 campaign. When I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential uh, candidate. Inside his decision to leave the race and its impact on the Republican field. One year later, a somber anniversary for families of the Idaho College murder victims. It's been rough. It's, It's been really rough. The emotional new tribute plan for today and the growing frustration from families with the trial date still not set. Those stories plus, turkey trot. Thanksgiving travel kicking off this week, expected to be record-setting at our nation's airports. Will they be ready? We'll go one-on-one when the head of the TSA joins us live. And Viva Las Vegas. The Raiders down the Jets in a Sunday night clash that came down to the wire. Today, Monday, November 13th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the week. Welcome to Monday. We're so glad you're with us this morning. We are indeed. We're going to get right to our top story, the very latest from the Middle East. The U.S. conducting more airstrikes in eastern Syria, the third wave against Iranian-linked targets there all in retaliation for attacks on U.S. military personnel. This is coming as the Israel-Hamas war rages on this morning. Gaza's largest hospital now running out of fuel to power that facility. But this morning, there are new signs of a possible deal to free those hostages taken by Hamas. Yeah, that's right. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying on Meet the Press, quote, the less I say about it, the more I've increased the chances that it materializes. We've got complete coverage this morning, including new protests, security threats here at home. But we're going to begin with those U.S. airstrikes. NBC's senior White House correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is on the story for us. Gabe, what can you tell us? Uh, Hey there, Savannah. Good morning. Yes, this is another sign of how this conflict could be spreading with U.S. soldiers getting more and more involved. Overnight, U.S. forces conducted a new round of airstrikes in eastern Syria, targeting a training facility and a safe house. The Pentagon says they were being used by Iran and its affiliated groups. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says the strikes are in direct response to continued attacks against U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. There have been been at least 47 attacks against military bases with U.S. troops since October 17th. But this time, there are more questions about how Iran might respond. 
A UK-based group reports eight pro-Iranian militants were killed in this airstrike, though the Pentagon has not confirmed that number, Savannah. And Gabe, I know we're also learning the the details about the deaths of several U.S. service members in the region. What do you know? Yeah, that's right. On Friday, five U.S. service members were killed in a helicopter accident off the coast of Cyprus after their helicopter crashed into the Mediterranean Sea. The group was part of a refueling training mission. The Pentagon has deployed some of the military's most elite special operation units to the area in case they're needed in Israel or the Middle East for evacuations and rescues. But officials say this helicopter was on a routine training mission not involved with any operation related to Israel. Savannah. All right, Gabe Gutierrez at the White House leading us off. Thanks, Gabe. Also this morning, new fighting is raging in the Israel-Hamas war, and a dire situation is unfolding at the largest hospital system in Gaza. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, joins us now with the very latest there. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. The World Health Organization says half of the hospitals in Gaza are now out of action. Among the lives at risk, those of a group of premature babies who are, of course, some of the hardest patients to move. Meanwhile, we're learning that a three-year-old American Israeli child is among the hostages. Born into a war, now surrounding their hospital called Al-Shifa, 36 babies in a neonatal unit where the power is failing, doctors told us by phone. I'm afraid that the babies, they are going to die. Three died over the weekend, he says. After heavy explosions at Al-Shifa Friday, the US warned against firefights in hospitals. Israel saying it is trying to evacuate patients, but giving few details. Releasing images of Israeli soldiers leaving fuel for generators, but only 300 litres, 80 gallons. Al-Shifa is the biggest hospital in Gaza. Doctors denying Israeli assertions that under Al-Shifa is a Hamas headquarters. But a decade ago, Amnesty International reported Hamas torturing people in the outpatients unit. Hundreds of thousands are fleeing through Israel's humanitarian corridors. But if they cannot return home, Palestinians say it will be another catastrophe in their history, or Nakba. This weekend, an Israeli minister suggesting that's what will happen, igniting condemnation. But the hostages taken by Hamas aren't home either. Yesterday, the White House revealing that one American being held is just three years old, the parents killed by Hamas. Or Levy is one of the 239 hostages, his wife, one of 1,200 murdered, the family now caring for their two-year-old child, hoping he still has a father. He's calling for his mother and his father all the time. He wants to go home all the time. This is the last video of the couple together, hiding in a shelter. For now, the family haven't told their son what happened. He's only two. I mean, he's already lost his mother. He needs his dad back. Exactly. He needs his dad. The UN says the Hamas terror attacks and continued holding of hostages is a war crime. It has also accused Israel of war crimes through the collective punishment of civilians. Over 11,000 are now dead, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas. The main difference is, are you deliberately targeting civilians? No, we're deliberately doing everything, everything in our power to target the terrorists. And Hoda, the Israeli Prime Minister, telling Kristen Welker that Israel knows a great deal about where the hostages are and that they could be close to a breakthrough in talks. Meanwhile, a diplomat with knowledge of those talks tells us that there are multiple hurdles, so the parameters of a deal are in place, Hoda.
All right. Keir Simmons for us there in Tel Aviv. Uh, Keir, thank you. And here at home, the war is continuing to fuel tensions with large protests held in cities across the country over the weekend. And we see Sam Brock is in Miami Beach this morning with that part of the story. Sam, good morning. Savannah, good morning. The war clearly showing no signs of slowing down. Neither are the protests or threats to public safety in the United States. That includes a bomb threat in New York City over the weekend. And here in Miami Beach, competing protests on either sides of Ocean Drive. As police here tell me that it was largely peaceful, there were no arrests. But there was a video that was captured that shows the cruelty fanning concerns across the country. As fighting escalates in Gaza, protests growing here in the U.S. Over the weekend, crowds calling for a ceasefire in cities nationwide, from Austin to Boston. What we're seeing now is people demanding an end to our government's complicity in this genocide. In New York, a pro-Palestinian rally Friday night, forcing authorities to temporarily close down Grand Central Terminal. There was also a bomb threat the next day at a Manhattan synagogue. The police searched the area and found no signs of any threats. Some rallies turning contentious. What are you watching? TikTok? Is that where you get your history? On either side of Miami's famed Ocean Drive, pro-Palestinian and pro-Israel groups held dueling demonstrations. I'm fighting for my country. We got to fight for our right to live in freedom. At the same protest in Miami, this cell phone video shared with NBC News and now seen by millions on social media, a hateful outburst by a woman pushing a stroller. Hitler should have finished the job. He knew what the it comes amidst the backdrop of a global outcry against the rise in attacks against Jewish people as the fighting rages in the Mideast. In France, massive crowds gathering Sunday to protest anti-Semitism and similar concerns on America's college campuses. At Ohio State, investigators are looking into the assaults of two students and vandalism at the school's Jewish center, which the university's president says directly targeted our Jewish community. It's a challenging time to be a Jewish college student on campus right now. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressing the protests on Meet the Press. They understand that we're fighting the just battle of civilization against barbarism. But those who, uh, those who protest for Hamas, you're protesting for sheer evil. And as threats on college campuses continue, it is so important to note, Savannah, that the Council on American-Islamic Relations reports there have been more than 1,200 calls for help or reports of bias, and that is just in the last month alone. Savannah, back to you. Sam Brock, thank you. Go to Washington now. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill once again racing the clock, trying to avoid a government shutdown. And Friday's deadline is fast approaching. House Republicans have unveiled a new stopgap funding plan. Let's bring in Garrett Haig, NBC Senior Hill, Capitol Hill correspondent. So, Garrett, what do we know about the plan? Will it fly? Yeah. Hey, Savannah, here we go again. Over the weekend, new House Speaker Mike Johnson revealed this unconventional two-step funding bill that's designed to prevent shutdown chaos right before the holidays and buy House Republicans more time. Now, this plan would fund part of the government until the middle of January, the rest of it until February. But notably, the bill does not contain budget cuts, which would have guaranteed Democrats would oppose it. But there's also no aid for Israel, Ukraine or Taiwan. All that will have to be done separately at some other time if it's done at all. So the question is, are there enough votes for this to pass? 
Yeah, look, we could find out as early as tomorrow. That's when this bill is expected to come to the floor. Already three House Republicans on the far right have said they won't vote for it. They wanted to see those spending cuts. <laughs> that means the speaker is likely going to need Democratic votes. And Democrats, they think this is a goofy, overly complicated way to do what ought to be a simple thing. But they don't want to shut down either. So what they may end up doing is holding their noses and voting yes. A shutdown now would mean hundreds of thousands of federal workers would miss paychecks just before the holidays, but things like Social Security benefits would still be paid. Either way, Savannah, this week will be the first major test of this new speaker now with the whole country watching. And Friday's the deadline. Garrett, thank you very much. All right. In a move that surprised even some of his own staff, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott announced last night that he is suspending his 2024 Republican presidential campaign. Scott dropped that bombshell in the middle of a Fox News interview. He said, I think the voters have been really clear that they're telling me not now. Multiple Scott staff members told NBC News that they had no warning. However, Scott's poll numbers have been stagnant. Fundraising has become a real challenge. Well, we've got a lot more to get to, including the Thanksgiving travel rush. It kicks off officially on Friday, and it's expected to be record-setting. The TSA out this morning with new predictions. More than 30 million passengers at our nation's airports over the course of the 12 days that start Friday. And for a closer look at what we can expect, we're joined by TSA Administrator David Pekoski. Hello. Good morning. Good to see good you. you. When we see you, we know it's the season. Yeah. The tree's out. People are coming to travel. <coughs> 30 million. You've just given us those numbers this morning. That's your estimate. Is the TSA ready? How does that compare to travel last year or years prior? Yeah, no, we're ready. No, I'm totally ready. And as compared to last year, I mean, what we've seen over the course of um, this current year is about between a 10 and a 15% increase over last year. So what we predict for um, this coming um, 12-day period, which uh, begins on Friday, is uh, probably the busiest day is going to be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. It almost always is. Uh, we expect that to be the busiest day ever in TSA's history. Passenger volumes approaching 3 million passengers. So that's that's record-breaking. You talked about Friday being the big day that people start traveling. That mm-hmm. could also be the start of the government shutdown, right. which I know you're probably concerned about. How are you planning to deal with that if it happens? Well, we're hoping that Congress comes to a solution. Um, they come to an agreement, give the president a bill that he can sign. Um, we in TSA are an essential agency, so about 95% of our employees will work irregardless of a shutdown, uh, and they will get paid at the end of the shutdown. But the longer a shutdown goes, the more impact it has on anybody because your family cash flow uh, isn't there. It doesn't, you know, you don't get paid until the shutdown is over. Um, so we're hopeful that Congress comes to an agreement by Friday. Uh, it's right around the corner. It is the the beginning of the Thanksgiving travel season uh, and that um, we get to a final bill very shortly. Didn't we see, I mean, these TSA workers are asked to come to work for no pay. Mm-hmm. They right. still have to get childcare expenses. Mm-hmm. They still have to get uh, commuting expenses. And I, I recall from the last time the government actually did shut down, there were reports that some TSA agents toward the end of it started just calling out sick yeah. because they couldn't afford to go to work for no pay. Are you concerned about that, especially in this time? Um, very concerned about that. And the last government shutdown in 2019 was 35 days. And when you go 35 days without pay, without a source of income, that's very, very hard. It's hard to put gas in your car. It's hard to pay for parking, hard to pay for childcare. So the longer a shutdown goes, the bigger the impact is on us. A lot of people are concerned with the war that's been going on and security obviously has to be really amped up. But at the same time, you want to keep 
the lines flowing. So how do you balance those two when people are going through the TSA? Sure. Well, we never compromise our security operations and, and we're always vigilant. We're always looking for, hey, what's going on in the world that might affect transportation security, either inbound to the United States or here in this country. Uh, we've taken additional measures uh, since October 7th to make sure that uh, we have that presence. Uh, if you go to an airport now, you'll see a much more visible police presence. You'll see uh, much more activity in our in our screening checkpoints. And so, um, you know, we will always look at the intelligence information that we have and adjust accordingly. Do you think this is a heightened period of risk mm-hmm. given what's happened overseas? Oh, surely. Yeah. Yes. Well, be safe. We're, we're grateful for the work of the TSA. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. We Thank you. Administrator it. David Pekoski. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you. All right. Uh, 15 minutes past the hour. Let's get a first check on forecast. Al is on the road this morning. He's at a food bank in Brooklyn kicking off our season of giving. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. Good morning. We are at City Harvest's main warehouse here in Brooklyn, and we are going to be attempting to break a Guinness World Record. Uh, and we're going to tell you all about that coming up to help fellow folks all around the country. But let's first of all look at what's going on weather-wise. We've got some heavy weather now starting to develop down through the Gulf. Uh, streams of moisture coming up out of the Gulf, bringing heavy rain from Texas on into Louisiana and parts of Mississippi. The good news is there's a lot of drought down in Mississippi and, uh, and uh, Louisiana as well. Upwards of 90 to 100 percent of drought. Well, this rain is going to be bringing much-needed relief. We're talking about anywhere from three to five inches inches of rain in some spots from New Orleans on into the panhandle of Florida. We're going to be watching that very closely. Rest of the country today, we've got plenty of sunshine in the northeast. going to be gorgeous. We've got some showers making their way into the Pacific Northwest, warmer than usual in the plains, and a few showers along the eastern coast of Florida. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al, thank you. And just ahead, a community still healing one year after the Idaho College murders inside today's plans to honor the victims as we hear from the families and where things stand in their ongoing push for a trial date to be set. Plus, the new promise being shown by Wagovi and those other drugs for weight loss. They, can they also lower the risk of heart attacks and strokes? We're going to break down everything you need to know. But first, this is Today on NBC. At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG. Make the difference. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
<laughs> We're back. 7.30. Tom Yamas joins the table. we got a new neighbor for the Aww. next couple of months, three months maybe. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree it came over the weekend. 80,000 feet, 12 tons of her, and the men are hard at work over yeah, there. Floor by floor. Look mm-hmm. at that. I know. It's so sweet. And then they're going to put 50,000 lights on her. And then we're going to bring you the Ooh. official lighting live. Mark your calendars. Christmas in Rockefeller Center. It's on Wednesday, November 29th, right here on NBC. It's just an awesome way to start this. It season. is. Put the Christmas music on yeah. and beautiful some hot cocoa. Have some fun. Yeah. All right. Meantime, guys, a lot to get to this half hour. We are starting off with a somber anniversary. That's right. It's been one year since the University of Idaho murders. Four students killed in an off-campus home. The suspect still behind bars awaiting trial. NBC's national correspondent Miguel Almaguer joins us with the latest and also how the victims are being honored today. Hi, Miguel. Good morning. Hi, guys. Good morning. The victims' families are still awaiting their shot at justice as the suspect, Brian Koberger, remains in custody, charged with four counts of murder and one count of felony burglary. And one year later, the community and families are still working to heal. As suspected killer Brian Koberger awaits trial, this morning a somber commemoration for the families of Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonzalez, the four University of Idaho students stabbed to death one year ago. Four students were killed yesterday in a suspected homicide. Their murders rattling the small community of Moscow, Idaho. It took police six weeks to track down and arrest Koberger, more than 2,500 miles away from the crime scene. The former criminology student was linked to the killings, investigators say, by DNA found on a knife sheaf left on the bed where Gonzalez and Mogan were found dead. Now, one year after their daughter Kaylee's murder, Christy and Steve Gonzalez say they'll spend the day remembering their little girl. It's been rough. It's, it's been really rough. You just miss them. And, and the longer they're gone, the more you miss them and the more you realize how badly you really have been robbed. In the 12 months since Ethan Chapin's murder, his mother Stacy wrote a children's book and helped establish the Ethan Smile Foundation in honor of her son's memory. While the judge has entered a not guilty plea on Koberger's behalf, a start date for his trial has not yet been set. The 28-year-old's legal team has made multiple failed attempts to get the case thrown out. But those delays have brought more time for investigators who were back at the crime scene last month, collecting even more evidence. It's more evidence, so then when we do go to trial... There'll just be more good days than there is those what-if days. Now, the four families united by immense loss, grieving this mournful milestone. Later tonight, a vigil will be held at the University of Idaho to honor the lives of those students who were killed. Meanwhile, Kaylee Gonzalez's father says he and other victims' fathers have formed an informal support group and often lean on each other to help make it through the grieving process. Guys. All right, Miguel, thank you. We want to turn now to our senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. It's been a year. There's a murder trial. It's a death penalty case. No trial date set. Does that surprise you? I know it's incredibly frustrating for those families that are grieving. But as trial dates go, this is not that unusually, especially in a case like this where it has almost tons of forensic. We know that they're already going back to the house to make a model of the crime scene. So it's not unusual, but I understand for the families that this just prolongs the heartache. 
talk about the forensics. Yeah. What, what do you think the prosecution's most important piece of evidence is at this point? By far, it is the DNA evidence. Yeah. They took a swab of his cheek after he was arrested and they matched the DNA. They say a statistical match for the knife sheath that is found mm-hmm. next to one of the victims. That is mm-hmm. going to be just insurmountable, I think, for his case here. They're going to do everything they can to try to get that DNA evidence thrown out. And Laura, when we talk about a year, does that benefit one side over the other? If you think about it, it really benefits the defense because the surviving roommates, especially the one who says mm-hmm. she saw a masked man with bushy eyebrows, she's going to have to likely testify at this trial. And so the longer you go here, the memories fade, even searing ones. It can be really hard, I think, in a case like this for prosecutors when you have those memories. It's a capital case. There's death penalty on the table. Is this the kind of case where potentially there could be some kind of plea deal? You would think for the defense, they would hope for that, but it's not clear the prosecutors would be open to that. That's typically the kind of thing you would want to consult with the family for, and it may not be a case where that is even on the table right now. All right, Laura Jarrett, thank you for the update. All right, still ahead, fears of an imminent volcanic eruption in Iceland, prompting a state of emergency there and concerns about a disruption to air travel between Europe and the U.S. heading into Thanksgiving. We'll have the very latest coming up. Plus, can drugs wildly popular for weight loss also reduce your risk of a heart attack, maybe even a stroke? We're going to take a closer look at some promising new findings out just this morning. But first, these messages. We're back, 739, your health this morning. And for months, we've been following the rise of drugs that have become very popular for weight loss. So now a new study is revealing another potential benefit, suggesting Wagovi can reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes in some adults by 20%. Yeah, the study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. We should note, though, it was funded by Novo Nordisk, which produces both Wagovi and Ozempic. All right, let's turn to NBC News medical contributor, Dr. Natalie Azar. Good morning. Okay, with all of those disclaimers aside, Mm -hmm. what did the study show? This study demonstrated that if you are an individual who has a pre-existing history of heart disease, so you've had a heart attack or a stroke, if your BMI is 27 or higher and you're not diabetic, taking Wagovi weekly can cut your risk by 20% of heart attack, of death from any cardiovascular cause, as well as stroke. And that 20% was really driven primarily by a reduction um, in heart attack. It should be noted that, as you mentioned, Ozempic, which is a sister drug to Wagovi, mm-hmm. is already approved to reduce cardiovascular risk, but people who are diabetic. So this is the first medication that is indicated solely for obesity that has shown to cut cardiovascular risk. So is it cutting the risk because you are dropping the weight so all your numbers are much better? Don't know. So that's obviously one thing because we know that obesity is a huge driver of cardiovascular disease, but there are another couple of explanations. For example, is it because you're actually cutting down your blood pressure, your cholesterol Mm -hmm. is being lowered, your blood sugar is lowering, and also are you reducing inflammation? Those metabolic changes were actually detected before people started losing weight. Oh, So Mm, it's not, it it, it Mm. clearly appears that it's not just the weight loss, but also there's these benefits, including reduction in waist circumference, which we know is a huge risk for heart disease. Has anything changed when it comes to insurance? I know if you have diabetes, it's covered, but if you Mm -hmm. don't, a lot of people want to take the medicine and it's so expensive. So not yet, but you know, the hope is that this again is going to change the perception that these medications are only purposeful for cosmetic reasons, but that they are actually indicated to treat the chronic disease of obesity and overweight. It's notable that in 20 and in 2006, Medicare started covering 
covering bariatric surgery, yeah. not to treat obesity, but to treat the downstream consequences of, of obesity. And you could really try to use the same analogy here mm-hmm. to get more insurance companies to get on board with covering it. Did the study address whether once you get off those drugs, mm-hmm. whether those health effects with regard to the heart go away? They didn't because they really couldn't because they only followed people for a little bit of over three years. But we already know, of course, that when people stop the medicine who are taking it for their Mm -hmm. weight, regain roughly two-thirds. And one could make the argument that if the medicine is doing these things Mm -hmm. metabolically, that once you stop it, those numbers will probably start shifting back to their baseline, their pretreatment levels. Very interesting. Thanks, right, Dr. Dr. Azar. Yeah. Thank yep. you. All right, 743. Let's send it over to Mr. Roker, get a check of the weather. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. We're at the City Harvest Warehouse in Brooklyn. They're, they're headquarters. We're going to explain what we're doing here in just a bit. But let's show you what we've got going on right now as far as your weather is concerned. We are looking at another day of uh, of the uh, Wet weather for our friends out west. This low-pressure system is going to be bringing in, fueling an atmospheric re- uh, river, rain and snow through Friday, variability in those precipitation totals up and down the coast, depending on where you are. But we're generally talking about one to three inches of rain from Eureka, California, all the way down to L.A. and just a little further to the south of there. We're also looking at warmer weather now, starting to work its way into the midsection of the country. We're going to see those temperatures anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees above average from Omaha, Salina, Salina. I should say Nashville, Cincinnati, Detroit, on into Denver. Tomorrow that moves to the east. Good news there. But again, we could be looking at some records from Fargo to uh, uh, all the way down to Chicago. And as we move into the latter part of the week, temperatures warm up in New York into the low 60s. Low 70s in Richmond. St. Louis will be in the low to mid 60s. Same for Columbus. And even Minneapolis by Thursday, you'll be at 61, but then drop down to 48 by Friday. And that is your latest weather. And we are here at City Harvest guys. Uh, we, we, we want to set it's World Kindness Day. We want to set a record for most turkeys given out in a single day. Stephen Ega is the uh, vice president of, uh, assistant vice president of marketing for our sponsor, Jenny O. So Steve, you guys are going to help us. We will hopefully are going to get 15,000 turkeys or more delivered today, both here and in Chicago. Are we going to do it? I hope so. We're certainly off to a great start. and We certainly want to thank everybody for all their help and, and making sure that we can make this happen. All right, Stephen Ega, thank you very yeah, much. You from Jenny O. And Guys, coming up in the next half hour, we are going to try to break that record. As you can see, the folks here unloading here these turkeys. We've also got, uh, you see, Jacob Soboroff in Chicago. Sobo is helping. It is going to be a huge, huge oh, yeah. turkey off. In fact, from one one big turkey to go. a bunch of other turkeys. Uh, there you go. Look at you. look at him. He's doing his he's doing his lift. I love that. All right, guys, back to you. All right, put Sobo to work there. All right, Al, thank you so much. Just ahead, we're going to take you inside the game and behind the scenes with some of the NFL's unsung heroes. It's our firsthand look at what makes a team's practice squad so important. Still ahead, this feels really good to say. It's been a while, and we've got a parade of Let's Hollywood go. stars in our studio. Yes, that's you, Scarlett Johansson. We always have fun when she joins us, so let's catch up with Scarlett. And the fun doesn't end there. Also joining us, one of our favorite comedy duos of all time, Good Burger, two stars, Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell. They're coming up as well. Yes, let's go. At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG. Make the difference.